Hi, I'm Michael Pinter. Welcome to the How to Flip New York podcast, where we teach you how to start or grow a wholesaling or flipping business in New York. If you're getting any value from this podcast, please leave us a review because that helps us out greatly. Okay, the topic for today is rentals. So a lot of people approach us and say, hey, we want to buy and hold. So in New York, rentals are a little different than other places because, sorry, in most parts of the country, you can buy a single family house and rent it and be cash flow positive. In New York, it usually doesn't work because the taxes are high and the purchase prices are so high. So um, there are a few parts of Long Island where we operate, where it works, but it's, it's, they're few and far between. Um, rentals really are the end goal of every real estate investor, right? Passive income. They want, we, want, we all want to be able to do nothing and just receive that mailbox money that rental, that net cash flow every month, where we don't have to work, and then it, you know, you know, when you when you flip properties, it's deal by deal. You close the deal, you got to get on the next deal. Even if you have a pipeline, you still got to get that done. But if you buy rentals, it's uh, something where that works almost on autopilot if you've got good management. We'll talk about management a little later. So we have a couple of multifamilies in the area. We have seven family, uh, three families. And it's something that we're going to be pursuing more vigorously in the coming years. Um, but, uh, you know, the Burr strategy that you see on Bigger Pockets, B-R-R-R-R-R, which is buy, renovate, rent, uh, refinance, and repeat, is a strategy that works. It just doesn't work in New York. It works in a lot of parts of the country. You can buy something at a discount for $50,000, put $25,000 into it. The end value is over hundred grand, uh, so you can you know, refinance that and get all your money out. Something we're thinking about doing in some other parts of the country also, but it doesn't work in New York. In New York, you really got to work on multi multifamily. So that could even be a two family or a, a property that's got an illegal uh, basement that's going to pay for your uh, expenses and then you can make money on the other one. I'm not recommending you rent something illegally, but that is a reality in a lot of Long Island. Um, so it's different in New York. One of the, one of the problems really with how we do it in New York is that in other parts of the country, if you screw up on a, on a, on a flip and you can't sell it, you can rent it and at least be cash flow positive paying your bills for a little bit, even on a hard money loan. Um, but in New York, it just doesn't work. Renting's not an option. You got to sell it. You got to pay off that, that debt. So, uh, multifamilies are certainly something where, I mean, most rich people, that I know and probably that you know made their money on multifamily properties or office properties, but commercial real estate. They bought a big property um, that ended up being cash flow positive or that was cash flow positive right away. And they were able to, that value grew as rents went up and then they were able to cash cash out and people make money that way. Lots of people in New York for sure. Um, so incorporating rentals into your strategy should be something you're looking for, but it it's got to make sense. It's got to be a property where when you do the math, the rents make sense. And also you've got to be able to buy at a deep enough discount that you can refinance and get your money out. Whether that's your money, whether that's a hard money loan, whether that's a private investor. And if it's a private investor, you need to tell them that you're buying it. So it's something you should be look, look out for at all times. But it's something that in New York is not going to be as easy as it is elsewhere. Um, the bigger part of this is property management. So we manage property for ourselves and for other people. Um, it's something we can do. Um, but you need a property manager who's going to be on the same page as you. One of the biggest problems with property management today is that 
property managers get paid really in three ways. They get a percentage of the gross rents collected, right? Which um, on something small would be like say 10% or something bigger could be less. Um, but they also get money every time there's a lease up, which means the tenant leaves and they need to put them in there and they get money every, they get paid every time there is construction. So what that means to me is that their interests and the landlord's interests are not really aligned because the landlord wants tenants who stay forever and a landlord doesn't want to pay extra for construction. So I know when we manage property for people, we don't really take any, um, profit on construction. We do it for cost because we don't want to do construction, uh, fix things up. Although that's a reality that things break <clears throat> and we don't get paid for lease ups. In fact, we get paid when a tenant renews his lease. So our interest when we manage properties are perfectly aligned with, with, uh, the, with the landlord, which sometimes is us in that we want tenants who stay a long time, who we don't fix things up unless we have to. And we want to only get paid when we collect rent. So maybe we are not doing property management the right way. And maybe we uh, don't make as much money as we should. But I feel like our interests are perfectly in sync with, uh, with the landlord because we get paid when they get paid. And we only get paid when good things happen that they want. Um, we've seen a lot of bad property managers in New York and other places where, you know, they, they really didn't care, couldn't care less. They told tenants to leave because they were getting a fee to, um, for a make ready, which means like paint the apartment, make it ready for a new tenant. For a new tenant, they were getting paid commissions, and they, it was in their best interest if a tenant stayed for three, four months and left. Right? Obviously, the landlord can only tolerate so much, but we don't think that that the property manager's interest should be in uh, should not be perfectly congruent and perfectly in line with the landlord. So we speak to people all. I mean, I speak to people all the time who tell me I want to buy a multifamily. They give me a multifamily deal or a mixed use deal. That makes no sense whatsoever. Like, you know, it's a four cap, which means if it's, if it's uh, making a hundred thousand dollars a year, uh, well, let's do it the other way. So four cap means you're getting 4% return without a debt. So if you got a hundred thousand dollars in net operating income at a four cap, it's worth two and a half million dollars. That's a crazy number. Now, those numbers exist in New York all over the place. Four caps, three caps, crazy numbers. For us, that doesn't make sense. It's just not enough room in case something goes wrong for you to make money. But there are people who look at those and they say, well, should I buy it? And I say, go ahead. But, you know, if one major problem occurs, you're, you're, you're going to be cash flow negative. Plus, you have to ask yourself how you're going to finance it. Because one of the big things that people don't understand about commercial real estate is that the banks don't care what similar properties go for. The comps don't matter. On a residential house, on a one to four family, all the all the banks care about when they appraise is what do other houses like that uh, sell for recently, comparables. But when it comes to commercial real estate, all they care about is the net operating income. And they're gonna cut up your net operating income. So that means your gross rent, all your rent, minus all your expenses, and then they're gonna give you cut a percentage of that because they're gonna, gonna assume some kind of vacancy rate and they're gonna assume you're gonna have to pay for management. So people look at a property and say, oh, there's $100,000 in operating income. But when they go to the bank, there's only $80,000 in operating income. And then the bank will only give them a percentage based on what comparable cap rates. So that, again, that is a very, very uh, subjective thing. What cap rate? Is it a seven cap area? Is it a 10 cap area? What is it? The crappier the area, the higher the cap rate. Um, but that situation 
in a situation like that, the people don't understand that they are, they, if they have good credit and they have income, it's irrelevant. It, all that matter, the primary source of repayment on a commercial property is considered the property. On a residential property, the primary source of repayment is the borrower. So they're going to run your credit. They're going to run your credit in both, but that your credit, your income is going to matter because um, they're going to assume you're going to be the one who pays the bills and not income coming from a one to four family, even on a four family. So they'll give you some credit for the rental income, but you're seen as the primary source of repayment or in commercial real estate, it's just how much net operating income is there. And then they're going to work a percentage of that based on the cap rate, right? So, I mean, the cap rate, it's how do you find cap rates? I guess you got to speak to people in the area and ask them what kind of area, what, kind, what the cap rate is, right? So again, how to figure that out is that you just divide it. So if you look at the net operating income, so if you're looking at a commercial piece of property and you see uh, that there's $100,000 in net operating income, which means your gross rent minus your expenses and take some percentage off for management and vacancy. And then you just divide that by let's say 0.05. So if it's a five cap area, 100,000 divided by 0.05, you get $2 million. That's where the bank's gonna value it. And they're gonna give you a percentage of that, 65, 70, 75%. So. Those are the things you have to know when you're working on commercial real estate. So again, rentals are something we aspire to. We do a little bit of them. I think I would love to have a uh, hundred or 200 doors in the coming years. Um, we know how to manage it. We know how to screen tenants. We do this already. We have people for the management uh, when it comes to uh, repairs. So for us, it's a no brainer. It's almost foolish that we haven't done more uh, until now, but it's something we're gonna look to going forward. But if it's something you wanna get into, um, we can help you uh, figure it out, but you need to you need to have uh, somebody who's going to manage it if you're not going to manage it yourself, and you need to understand uh, how to price it right so that you don't get stuck with something, right? Because if you need to get your money out, you got to buy it at enough of a discount that 70, 70 to 75% after you're done, uh, you can take the money out. So like we said before, uh, let's take real numbers. So uh, we bought something uh, for $300,000, put about $20,000 into it, but we knew it would appraise for 450,000. So uh, that we could get all the whole $320,000 out. So that made sense for us. And that is something that you're gonna have to think of if you're buying a buy and hold property, you wanna get the money out if it's not yours. If you have all the money to put in, then buy it, go ahead, as long as the numbers make sense. But running the numbers is crucial on rentals. And unfortunately it doesn't work on single families, most of New York, but um, we're a big believer in uh, multi-family, uh, small and large in New York. And we're going to push forward uh, with that in the future. Hey, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, go to howtoflipnewyork.com for more information about the various ways that I can help you. And again, if you can leave a review, uh, that would really help us out.